This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Let's turn our attention now to that all-important issue. Uh, you will know that we've had this conversation here on Power Talk as to why demographics matter. They matter so much for a lot of things. The economy, they matter in terms of imagining you know, our society into the future, particularly when we talk about questions around life expectancy. Diego Iturralde, good morning and welcome to Power Talk. Good morning. Uh, thank you for having me. Good morning to all the listeners. And thank you so much uh, for talking to us. I mean, the mid-year uh, population estimates being out, uh, seemingly uh, South Africa now boxing at over 60 million people. Just take us through some of the highlights of that announcement yesterday, Diego. Yes, certainly. So uh, we estimate the population of the country as of the mid-year of this year, that is the 30th of June, at 60.14 million. Um, about 57% of the country is residing in the three major urban provinces of Gauteng, KZN and the Western Cape. Uh, if we look at it according to, to um, age structure, um, 17 million uh, persons are aged under the age of 14, as well as between the ages of 35 and 59, 17 million each. And uh, in between the 15 to 34-year-olds, the which we call the youth, uh, are at about 20.6 million, with the, the elderly, those <clears throat> over the age of 60, at about 5.5 million. Then in terms of... Um, uh, distrib- distribution by by sex. Uh, females uh, make up 51.1% of the population, and males, of course, the remaining 48.9. And then uh, by population group, uh, black Africans are sitting at just under 81%, and the other population groups um, colored at 8.8, white at 7.8, and Indian Asians at 2.6% make up the rest of the population. Um, I could I could add a little bit on on fertility before we yeah. we speak about the issues of life expectancy. Um, in terms of fertility, South Africa's uh, total fertility rate, which is the average amount of children that a woman b- between 15 and 49 years would have, sits at 2.3 children per woman on average. Um, if we break that up by province, we see that in Limpopo. Uh, we have the highest at uh, just under 3.1 and Eastern Cape at 2.8. And the lowest ones would be in the Western Cape at 2.04 and in Gauteng at 1.92. So that equates to about 1,16 million births um, in the period between July last year and end of June this year. Um, of course, COVID had a huge impact on, on many issues, uh, notwithstanding the the life expectancy that we'll speak about just now, but mm. also migration. Um, a lot of movement of people was um, curtailed uh, over, the, over the past year as a result of lockdowns. And uh, so we, we've seen that the net migration, the net international migration for the period 2016 to 2021 was revised downwards. Um, and we see that in terms of uh, net migration at a provincial level uh, that not only Gauteng and Western Cape have positive net migrations, but also Northwest and Pumalanga and the Northern Cape have a positive net migration as well.
I mean, Diego, tell me, when you talk about migration, do you possibly have a way of gauging whether or not, uh, given the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic, when things ease out and, you know, there's relaxation of restrictions, we might actually see an exponential increase? Uh, it's it's possible, but uh, I think it's... it's it, uh, I think that the recovery from COVID in migration as well as in... Um, issues around health which impact mortality and even infertility would be a a very slow and gradual recovery. I don't think we will, we will see an explosion of people entering entering the country again because I think that the the lifestyles and the socioeconomic impact of of uh, people's lives have been impacted very profusely through through COVID nineteen. So will there be a recovery in terms of Migration numbers, most most likely yes, but uh, I don't think that it will be an explosive recovery in in that sense. Diego, before we get to the life expectancy issues and the impact of COVID nineteen there too, I do want to just come back to this question around uh, fertility. It seems as if the more urbanized uh, provinces have less. Uh, I mean, uh, if fertility rates you said Gauteng one point nine two, Western Cape two point zero four, and are there any reasons to these patterns that we see? I think it's a global phenomenon that we find around the world that the more developed countries or developed regions around the world have low fertility rates. This may be linked to um, employment and education of women, um, as well as the the fact that um, many of these uh, educated and employed women are empowered to take control of, of their bodies through family planning processes. Um, so I think around the world we, we will we will see that uh, countries that are more vulnerable, more more poor, have higher fertility rates because children represent a safety net, a social safety net for for those families for when they become older. Whereas for wealthier, more developed uh, nations, um, that kind of uh, safety net is is provided through investments that they may have, social investments as well as uh, financial investments. And uh, there's more of a value that is um, placed upon work and education um, rather than in having larger families. Now, Diego, let's come back to the other stuff. Uh, it seems as if we've seen a spike in the number of deaths um, when looking at some of your graphs, taking us back to almost over 10 years ago in terms of yep. the death uh, rates that we have seen. No doubt that is the impact of COVID-19, but it also seems as if excess deaths um, that were not necessarily accounted for were also part of the, were also part of the uh, uh, equation. Yeah. Um, so I think I think let's let's start off by saying that that uh, the 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 MRC has um, has done an analysis and and uh, come up with a conclusion which which we very much agree with that about eighty percent of those excess deaths are COVID related. Mm. So these these may be directly related to COVID or they may be as an indirect consequence linked to COVID. Yeah. So so we're we're seeing that that uh, the number of deaths for the period between July last year and June this year is, is um, just under 696,000, which places it at the the peak of the HIV epidemic in 2006 when antiretroviral treatment was introduced. Mm. Um, so that takes us back 15 years in terms of number of uh, deaths. Then if we, if we look at other measures like life expectancy, life expectancy has 
dropped by 3.8 years for males and by um, 3.1 years for, for females. And that, that works out to three and a half years overall. Um, and that, that reduced life expectancy overall actually takes us back to about 2011 when the life expectancy was 62 years, which is what it is now. A further measure that we can make use of is the crude death rate, which is basically just the number of deaths divided by the population. Mm. And that has increased by 2.9 deaths per thousand um, persons in per, one year. Per thousand? Per thousand. 2.9 deaths sure. per thousand in, in, in just the one year. So that, that's quite a... It's quite, a dram- it's quite a dramatic increase, which really points to uh, the, the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, we might just be seeing these deaths, uh, Diego, saying, well, we've now hit over the 60,000 mark. And as you are saying, the analysis on the excess deaths really points to a reality that we might be confronted with uh, devastating restructuring of some uh, parts of our population. Yeah, I think I think it's also important to to understand the the sixty thousand that we receive from the Ministry of Health yeah. every every evening and and the and the excess deaths. Um, I think it's important to understand that the sixty thousand comes from deaths reported in health facilities from people who previously tested positive, yeah. whereas the excess deaths are coming through the population register of all deaths that are being uh, reported. So it's probably a more complete measure um, of people who have died outside of hospitals as, as well. So in terms of, of COVID, we are probably looking at around 150 to 160,000 deaths uh, of, of, uh, due to COVID-19 since the um, uh, pandemic began last year. Okay, my guest uh, is uh, Diego Itural, the Chief Director Demographic at Stats SA. Uh, that line is 0861-987-000. If you might have any question or comment to put to him, Diego, I've got Zakele on the line. Zakele, good morning. Hey, I'm good. Mr. Diego, how are you? Good, thank you. I'm good. Mm, I've got one question, mm. uh, especially around the issue of e-life expectancy. Yes, you say, uh, I think in the past years, in other South Africa, we're around your 60, 65. Mm-hmm. And uh, I of the belief that uh, such states are there to help us South Africans to shape our lives for the future better for all. And the question then will be, with this being the current estimation of states, what are we doing now to try and influence policies like the PFMA and the pension fund to say, guys, Nowadays, most of our people will live up until 60, but we are still sitting on the pension age at 60, 65. What are we saying to the people? When are they going to enjoy their investment? Should we be in a position to work on that, review that? A lot of policies that have to talk as we go on in that, because our life involved. It's not like way back when all these policies and, and, and now were implemented or were crafted. With new states and with new information, then they have to change as time goes by. Okay. The question is what state is it doing? What are they, their influence in terms of that? Zakele, got you loud and clear. Diego, I do want to put a rider on what Zakele says. I mean, uh, just the other day, we we're having a conversation at home to say, you know, it looks as if people retire and soon they don't enjoy retirement and uh, they die, you know, a year or two years later. And it might actually be talking to what Zakele is saying, uh, if that mm. is our life expectancy. So it's nothing out of the norm if people are dying soon after 
retirement because that's what the stats tell us. But then yeah. what does that mean for policymakers insofar as giving people a quality of life, including a quality of life at retirement age? Hmm. Look, uh, as stats to say, we are not a policy department, so we, we, we aren't in a position to tell um, departments what, what uh, the implications of, of the statistics should be from a policy perspective. But, but we release these kind of indicators in order to highlight to various policymakers what some of the issues are. So on, on the one hand, just speaking to this, yes, we are, we are seeing that our life expectancy is currently 62, but before COVID, as we mentioned, it was around um, 65, uh, 65 and a half last year. And we were well well on, on, on track to meet the target in the National Development Plan of mm. uh, life expectancy of 70 by the year 2030. Yeah. Um, on, on the other hand, one other indicator that we need to look at in this regard is the dependency ratios. And the, we can see that from an old age dependency ratio that since 2002, where there were 8.3 elderly people that's um, over the age of 65 per every 100 working age people between 15 and 64, that now has increased to 9.4 elderly people per um, per 100 working people. Mm. Um, of course, it... it, it uh, we 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 assume that all 15 to 64 year olds are working, which is not always the case. Absolutely. Um, but uh, the fact is that more people are surviving through to their older ages. This can be as a result of the access to antiretroviral treatment for people who are HIV positive in their in uh, earlier on in their lives. Um, also, that um, a lot of the child mortality indicators have also increased drastically over the, over the last. 20 years. So we're, we're a healthier population overall, and um, more people are living through to the age of, of 65 and over. Absolutely. I mean, so, Diego, just before I let you go, uh, I just as you touch on child mortality, there were concerns at some point during the hard lockdown last year that, you know, uh, malnutrition could be exacerbated in children, given all the type mm. of uh, social security that was taken away from them. Is there anything that you have seen in terms of, you know, uh, child mortality rate changes? No, those, these have remained quite stable. They they have continued on their trajectory. Uh, there's been a slight deterioration on infant mortality, mm. um, but very negligible. And um, under five mortality has has continued to to improve uh, to decline. So I think just coming back to the issue of the of the elderly, what what yes. we are saying is is that the proportion of people surviving to older ages is increasing, and mm-hmm. uh, hence we need to make plans into the future to be able to look after this the elderly group. of the of the of the population, Absolutely. whether it be through the through the pension sector, whether it be through health programs or education programs um, or social support. Um, a package of interventions most certainly needs to be directed because each each year we 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 will continue to see a higher proportion of the population uh, being being in, in the elderly, and um, we will see them actually being in the more rural provinces like the the Eastern Cape has the, mm. has the highest proportion of elderly people of in in, in its population. Uh, residing in the Eastern Cape, as, as as opposed to a province like the, like Gauteng, where after retirement, uh, very often people move to the coast or or, or move up, move outside the country. 
Um, so we need to be sure where these elderly people are and ensure that, that their needs are being taken care of. Diego, when you draw a horizontal line on that dip on your graph, it is quite a number of years that we have lost on that upward trajectory. Um, how easy will it be for South Africa to repair this loss caused by COVID-19 on life expectancy? I think it, it depends on a variety of things. I think that if the vaccination rollout plan um, is, is effective, if it works out and let's say we reach uh, herd immunity by next winter, um, we should most certainly begin to see an improvement in terms of number of deaths that, that, we, that, that we see recorded. And okay. um, if, if that's the case, I think that, that the recovery will be will, will, will not be overnight, but uh, over a period of three to four years, we should be back to where we were in 2020. Okay. Diego, thank you so much for making time for us this morning. My pleasure. Thank you. Diego Ituralde there with Statistics South Africa. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.